I have the sea biscuit theory. When uh, you whisper in his ear, he's got another gear and that's when he wins races. And I, I think that every man of God, every planter, every pastor, they have another gear. Uh, they just need someone to kind of come alongside them, believe in them, encourage them. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. My name is Jason, your Columbus CPC. I am joined by Chad Grigsby, our SEM. Hey, Chad. Jason. What a great day to be on the podcast. It is a great day because we have somebody who's significantly better at their jobs than we are <laughs> on the podcast. That is true. That, man. That is true. <laughs> Travis Smalley, everyone. Uh, Welcome, Travis. Hey guys. Hey guys. It's great to be here with you. From just down the road in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so Travis is the Sin City missionary uh, for Cincinnati, and he's also the pastor of Lakota Hills. So Travis, tell us a little bit about you, and uh, let's start with Lakota Hills. Tell us a little bit about your church. Yeah, um, Lakota Hills, we're located, um, you know, uh, in Westchester, which is just a little bit north of uh, the city of Cincinnati. It's right on the belt, 275 belt that wraps around uh, Cincinnati. First three exits after you come, 75 comes under 275, Westchester, Westchester, Westchester. Um, and so Robin and I, uh, our family, we've been here for uh, 16 years now. Uh, the church was planted in uh, 1967. Um, and, and then we used to be named uh, Westchester First Baptist Church. Uh, but uh, then the uh, folks, we bought some... Uh, land out here and there was a subdivision going in just down the street that was called Lakota Hills and they're like why are we called Westchester First Baptist why don't we just change our name to Lakota Hills and so voila they all 20 of them did that and uh, <laughs> Lakota Hills Baptist Church was uh, named and birthed and uh, so yeah and we've been here for about we've been here for about 16 years um, me and Robin are Cincinnati natives and uh, so, man, God is just uh, really blessed, and we've had the opportunity just to catch God's wave of uh, some church planning, see people saved, see people discipled. Uh, it's it's been lots of fun. It's lots so of you're fun. you're from Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Cincinnati area, actually, in a little place called Goshen that was hit kind of hard these uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, from Gosh, uh, from Cincinnati Metro. Me and my wife both. So I am a skyline chili eating, Reds <laughs> crying, Bengals cheering. Yeah. Uh, you know, graders slinging. Yeah, yeah, man. We're we're just we're Cincinnatians through and through. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you mourn Harambe when he died too? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Jason did. We'll I did. Back to you, Jason. <laughs> I I uh, I literally have a picture of Harambe hanging in my office that. Uh, got placed there probably five years ago and it just never left. So yeah, still there. There you go. I miss him every day, man. He was Cincinnati Zoo is a great place, man. It's got a lot of great stuff there. Yeah. I heard it's a, it's a hidden gem. Like I think a lot of people think Columbus yeah. and Columbus is a good zoo too, but I've heard good things too about Cincinnati. Yeah. So yeah. good deal. So how did you uh, get connected to Nam and your uh, Sin City missionary role? 
Yeah, and, and that's a great question. We um, so every church that uh, God had me serving in, I'm a part of church planning. Even as a youth minister, uh, we planted a church, um, and so the and then the church I served at previous to this, a little country church, we planted a church also on the river over in eastern Ohio. Um, and so when we got here, we kind of brought that with us and uh, so shared that with a Lakota that, you know, hey, you know, we can't do this alone. We need to start more churches. Uh, we need to raise up church planters from within. And so just kind of cast the vision. They just started doing it. Um, and so what we started doing was I started just uh, developing relationships with uh, some, some guys. Uh, our, our first church plant here at Lakota was a Red Door Church uh, with Josh Lennon. And uh, so we started a relationship with him and it was, uh, it was a great relationship. And God just really blessed, and uh, Red Door uh, was planted, and uh, and they're planting other churches now, which is exciting. But uh, so I've been involved in church planting in Ohio for about 20 years, um, and so when we just was, I was just planting churches, and you know, just pastoring, meeting guys, and uh, we had a little bit of money. I had a little bit of experience. I really didn't know much about church planting, except for I just thought guys needed some encouragement. They needed somebody to walk along with them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's what I started doing. And so I was just doing that and uh, working in the association, helping the association, helping the state convention. Uh, and then I was just approached out of the blue was just like, hey, would you consider serving as the city missionary for Cincinnati? And so, um, you know, I work in a part-time capacity. And so, so some conversations. And then I just, at that time, our church was a little bit different and uh, in governance and things. And so I said, hey, you know, I'm just going to bring it to the church and just uh, share with them. And they was just kind of like, wait a minute. What you've been doing for free, North American Mission Board is going to pay you a little bit of money to do. And uh, I said, yeah, I think. <laughs> and they're like, go for it, Pastor. <laughs> and, and so they they just kind of encouraged me. Um, we brought on, that's when we brought on other staff. Um, my deacons, totally, they take care of 90% of congregational care. Um, where they're just like, hey, and so the church just kind of rallied around that. Uh, to they knew that this was my passion and that I was leading the church in this direction as well. And so the congregation just kind of gathered up and said, this is what we're going to do and, and freed up space. And so that's that's how that occurred. And it was it's just been a, it's been a great ride. I think you're seven years uh, six or seven years now with uh, the North American Mission Board, and so fortunate to uh, partner with them in this uh, in this capacity. It's it's I've grown so much with just the great leaders that they have brought to the table, mm -hmm. um, and had time to spend with them, have time to you know just kind of pitch ideas, not just planning churches, but just great men of God, great men and women of God. Um, and it's just been, not only have I had a great time planning churches and, 
and all that fun stuff. But it's been a great time of growth for me as well. Yeah. Um, Travis, I love kind of how Nam has said, who's the, who are the guys on the field doing it? And then how can we come alongside and partner with them to, to help them do it even, even more and even better. I think they did that with Dean too. Dean was already doing a lot of that in Columbus. Um, and yeah. so they came to him and said, Hey, you want to help serve this? I love that idea of, of who are the people that are on the field doing it? Uh, I mm-hmm. love the the emphasis of that. And I, I don't know about you, but I've come to see Travis Smalley, a part-time Travis is better than a full-time, a lot of people. So that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's I, don't, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you do a great it's, job. It's, lot, it's lots of fun. You know, when you enjoy doing it uh, and doing what you're doing, I love working with uh, young men and kind of giving them some chances and some shots that maybe I didn't get when I was younger. Mm-hmm. and encouraging them and then walking along with them, um, loving on them, seeing them grow. Um, you probably heard me. I have the sea biscuit theory. You ever watch the movie sea biscuit? Oh yeah. Yeah. When, uh, you whisper in his ear, he's got another gear and that's when he wins races. And I, <laughs> I think that every man of God, every planter, every pastor, they have another gear, uh, they just need someone to kind of come alongside them, believe in them, encourage them, um, and, um, you know, just stay by them. And, uh, so I, I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. That's great. That's cool. And one of the things, the other things that stuck out to me too, was just how open handed your church was Mm -hmm. with, uh, just your vision and your desire to see multiplication and church planting. And I just feel like that's, such a testament to your leadership then. And, uh, it seems like leadership now. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, your, your planting ethnic churches out mm-hmm. of your church and in your church? So can you explain that a little bit and what you guys are doing? Yeah. And so one of the, uh, elements that God brought to our attention to bring us to Lakota was, and then it was 16 years ago. Wow. You know, but it was then the projected ethnic diversity um, change that was going to occur. I pulled together some um, some studies and things of that nature when I was praying about coming to Lakota, and that's what God really used to bring us here, and it was just uh, saw it as an opportunity to reach the nations, and God birthed in my heart, in my wife's heart, you know, this kind of a love, hey, this is, we believe God is sending us here to lead the church to reach the nations because it looks like the nations are becoming our neighbors. Um, Mm -hmm. So we show up, the church is doing kind of a dabbling in English as a second language, doing it on a Tuesday night and had one class, maybe five or six people. And so me and Robin, we just kind of hop in. It's just, you know, kind of what we do. And we, we loved uh, hopping in and teaching and being a part of that. And uh, we brought uh, the families over to our house. First time in ministry I've ever been in front of people that is actually in my city, in my neighborhood, had never heard the gospel. They'd never heard. And some of them had been here seven, eight, you know, nine years, uh, families. And it was just like, really, you know, what is this? Who is, you know, they knew Jesus, but they didn't know, they didn't know him, you know? Um, mm. And so just me and Robin kind of just 
I don't know, for lack of better terms, got addicted to that, right? It was just like, wow, this is great because, man, these, these folks are so interested. So we just kind of poured ourselves into that. Uh, long story short, we led uh, Tuesday nights. We had traditional Wednesday nights, and we just called. We changed Wednesday nights and made it missions night, and we did ESL Wednesday nights. Um, in the middle of all this transferring, um, we get a call from our local schools, which, by the way, is one of the largest numeric school systems in Ohio. Wow. And they said, hey, we heard you guys have English as a second language. Um, uh, would, well, we was doing some uh, what we call block parties in the schools. And so we go in with popcorn, snow cone, cotton candy, um, inflatables, and we just love on our community. So they knew us through that. And then they, they give us a holler and said, hey, I heard you guys have some free ESL classes. Can we come out and check them out? And we're like, yeah, sure. Um, so the superintendent comes out and he's got his whole, like, I don't know, posse with him. And they come <laughs> through our classes, right? And they sit and they just love it. I mean, we're sharing the gospel. We're teaching English, but we're also uh, teaching them the Bible and, and sharing the gospel. But the superintendent just absolutely loves it. Uh, the, uh, the staff loves it. And the school was having difficulty in the transition. There was such an influx of ethnic diversity that they was having difficulty. And so they was looking for partners to help them. So God positioned us and they was just like, hey, would, would you be okay if we sent our kids' parents to you to learn English? And we're like, sure. And they're like, can we translate your flyers into different languages and hand them to students? And we're like, yeah. And so they I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't start promoting the snot out of it, right? And so that's when we kind of went from like, uh, five to 10 to about 50, then just a matter of time, we enroll about 200, um, you know, ESL adult students and their family members, usually about every fall now, uh, usually from about 26, 30 different nations. And so we was, we was seeing them come to faith in Christ. And, um, and so what happened was, was just like, well, you know, God just kind of, I would like to say that we sat down, drew this up and um, kind of, you know, had this great strategy, but it's not, it was just kind of like, hey, we're having difficulty taking uh, these folks to the next level and just making disciples. We can mm. share the gospel with them, but disciple them is exceedingly difficult um, uh, with a language barrier. And so we thought, I thought, why don't we just plant uh, ethnic churches and let's just plan they can meet here uh, we can invest in them um, and so we started and uh, so we started literally just praying okay <laughs> praying for the people groups that we had collected that God would either raise up or we'd be able to find um, a, a potential church planter and all that and a God has been faithful. We, we started off with a Hispanic um, church plant, and they outgrew us, and we helped them find another facility. Uh, that was some time ago. Um, we've had a Korean church plant for quite some time that grew out of that as well. Um, and then that Korean church plant has multiplied to another Korean church plant in Cincinnati, which we're, we is, we're excited about that as well. 
Um, and then, then uh, a, a Nepali church plant, um, and then uh, also an Arabic church plant, uh, and now uh, another Hispanic church plant. And so we operate together. We call ourselves a multi-congregational, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. Um, we're kind of a, this, I don't know, kind of like the Lakota network, right? Um, we're now, it, and it changed everything, uh, how we do things. We, we just went through a building campaign and we, we positioned our building to be able to feed our vision. So we made different, you know, we have four worship venues in our facility now. So, awesome. so what we can do is like the 1030 hour uh, where we have three worship services, one um, Korean, one Nepali, one English, and then all the kids and teenagers and things, they go to um, all together to the youth, to the children, to the preschool um, ministry. And so we're operating as, yeah, we're separate, yet we're one. Um, and it is just a it's a great time. We just recently were getting that new Hispanic one up and going. Uh, we have a lead on our Micro-Asia church planter right now, as well as a Chinese church planter right now. And so God just keeps on opening more doors, more doors uh, to reach all these different people groups. So God has given us this a lot of favor and it's a credible ability. I tell guys all the time, God has given us a, a, an ability. Uh, you know, the Bible says he'll make us fishers of men. He's given us ability to make a pay lake, right? <laughs> Where you can come and you can fish. I mean, they are all right here, many, many people. And um, and we have the opportunity to share, share the gospel. It's just, uh, and then plant churches, make disciples, um, it's, it's lots of fun. I don't know any other language except my incorrect English. Right? <laughs> and, and, and if God can use a guy like me to, to lead and to plant, uh, churches of different language and different culture, you know, I, I really think he can use anybody to do it. We just have to be willing and just really just put in the time to do it. It's it's lots of fun. So I probably talk too much. No, you're good, man. I mean, when I was thinking as originally you were at the beginning, you were like, I wish I would have planned it. I don't think you could have planned that kind of thing from the beginning. It's impossible, right? (laughs) Yeah. We were, we were in a training yesterday, Travis, uh, doing missional engagement with some planters. And we talked about what Vance shared. Um, I've heard him share a couple of times, but what he shared even recently with us back in April in Alpharetta was that, we typically think church disciples city when we think church planting when what we should think is city disciples church. And what, what I found so powerful about what you shared, there were a lot of things that were powerful, but what, what stood out on the forefront was that you guys didn't set out to plant churches. You were just engaging your community. And as you engage your community, provided a service, loved on people, you started to see people come to Christ, disciples being made, and then congregations formed out of that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I love that. I, I, we're trying to, it's amazing how much pushback we got, I think, yesterday a little bit from folks 
thinking about that, but then hearing you describe it, it's like, man, that's exactly what you guys did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that, that's what we discovered was that as long as we continue to take those next steps, you know, um, for instance, our Arabic church plant, uh, you would think, you know, a strategist obviously would think that way, right? Because it's only two miles down the street is the mosque of greater Cincinnati. And so not everybody who is Muslim is Arabic, but um, there are a lot of Arabic folk that are uh, Muslim and attend the mosque. And you would think, and then we just started getting more and more Arabic folks. Um, and, you know, we've seen some come to Christ. Um, and then uh, you've seen probably the Annie Armstrong video and and Amr just calls, we'd been praying and he calls and said, God has called him to Cincinnati. Um, and uh, so I, I immediately snagged a hold of him and just kind of, I wanted him to see what God was doing here. Once he saw what God was doing here and the number of people that was coming, uh, he was just like, this is pretty obvious. Um, yeah. And so it's, yeah, man, it's just lots of fun. It's lots of fun. Well, I want to talk about you know, if you've got pastors, planters, churches interested in maybe kind of getting involved in in reaching the nations around them in their community, which in Columbus, it's, you know, there's a lot of diversity here as well. Yeah. Um, what's like the, the first thing you'd tell them to do? You described it a little bit in what you were talking about, but what's, what's kind of step number one there if they're interested in doing something like that? Yeah, um, I, I do think... I would test the ground on just um, doing something real simple, like see uh, promoting an English as a second language class to the community. Um, I don't think you really have to do a lot of studying to see if there is ethnic diversity around you. Uh, a simple Facebook ad, if you took 50 to 100 bucks, put an effective Facebook ad out, and then just kind of encouraged your folks uh, obviously, you would have to get some leadership, get a little bit of training in ESL first, and uh, put together a, a group of people who would be interested in it. Um, but, uh, you know, just doing a little bit of ad, a little bit of uh, street walking, you can identify uh, ethnic restaurants that are in your area, ethnic grocery stores that are in your area, and you can specifically go to them, give them a flyer, and invite them. Uh, me and my wife, we intentionally go to different ethnic uh, restaurants in our area to try to build relationships with folks, um, you know, of, of different backgrounds and things. And so doing something like that, obviously, you want to, you know, cast a vision to a small amount of people and see, you know, hey, it doesn't have to be great big. You start small, just one class, uh, get enough folks to teach one class, then then just kind of invite and uh, put out a little Facebook ad uh, with, with an English as a second language. And you really don't have to do a demographic study. You'll see, I think God will draw a group of people to you. Um, we have people right now that show up daily at our church building looking for English as a second language. They literally come daily. Uh, knock on the door and said, I heard you guys have ESL here. I saw an ad. I saw this hanging in the grocery store. And, uh, and so then we just give them the information. We, 
you know, go ahead and enroll them. And then uh, they're, they're, you know, they can come to uh, English as a second language class. So I know it sounds programmatic, right? And we're not a program driven. We talk about being organic and things of this nature, mm -hmm. but ESL is a real simple tool. You don't have to know any other language except, you know, English, conversational <laughs> English. American, um, as you said earlier. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, you don't, you don't have to, you just come and, uh, you know, and, and, and you teach them English. I mean, they got, we got, we got some really good material. You can, they can, they're welcome to contact us. We got, my wife is a director uh, of it and uh, we have the material. It's really easy to use. Uh, there's a really short training that comes with the material as well. Um, and then just a brief conversation uh, with probably Robin or myself, uh, man, they'll be able to launch out. I don't think it has to be too complicated, Chad. Yeah, no, that's great. Mine's conversation whiplash. So. Oh, okay. Well, I, my question, um, and you've mentioned your wife several times, um, which I think is really cool. And I feel like when we go to events, your wife is always right beside you there with you. How did you cultivate that partnership and relationship with your wife and now you guys get to do this ministry together oh, that's maybe like a really big question but like i i don't know i was just i was thinking about that because you mentioned your wife several times is like you guys do this together which i think is really cool yeah yeah we um so we started off in ministry as i started off as a youth and children's minister and uh robin when I mean, she's just as called as I am to ministry, right? Mm. And uh, just as called as I am to serve. And so, I mean, we just, ever since we've been in children's youth ministry, we did it together. Um, when I started pastoring, uh, there was a time where I kind of was pastoring and she was, you know, she wasn't doing uh, a lot with me. Um, <clears throat> but then when we came to Lakota, um, it was like the band got back together, you know, um, mm. that we both had this passion for English as a second language, and we just both started working together in that. Um, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just, you know, I, I can't explain that either. We just both love the Lord. We love ministry, and we love serving together. Uh, she knows I'm a mess. I'm kind of a vision caster, and, uh, and she is the details, um, and she knows I'm a mess and she knows that uh, I need her help. And I know that I need her help, particularly when it comes with uh, administrative things and uh, keeping things lined up. Um, normally I'm the vision caster and then she fills in the details after that and things like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Travis, I had a conversation uh, or a question that's kind of conversation whiplash, but I, I think I heard you talking about how you came to Lakota you mentioned the name change and you said something about 20 people made that decision. So when you came to Lakota, were there 20 people there? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that. So I could clarify. No, I kind of melted those. Well, back at when they was called first Baptist church, Westchester, that's like back in 1967. Yeah. yeah. And there was only about 20 folks then. Yeah. Wow. So when I came here, they was running maybe about 150, 175 something of that nature okay. yeah, yeah that's a great guys, question i'm glad you clarified 
<laughs> no, no, no. I was just curious. What are you guys seeing now between all of your ethnic plants? What's your attend- Sunday attendance like? Yeah, so we just, Easter was our highest Sunday ever in the history. I think it was like 570 something. Wow. Um, and uh, we run right now about between 350, 400-ish right now, um, something like that. And so it's been good. Um, God used, actually, we reached out more during covid then, uh, you know, even though God uses us in the schools, God uses us in ESL, during COVID, uh, God just opened up some big doors, and we reached out a lot during COVID, and we're seeing a lot of those individuals we t- was able to touch roll into Lakota right now, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Travis, thanks so much for your time, buddy. Appreciate what you're doing in Cincinnati. It's really cool we get to work together in the Ohio Valley, and yeah. And in Ohio and and be jealous of all the church planters that you get. If you could send one or two north every year, that'd be great. I'm just kidding. Not to Cleveland. Yeah, definitely not to Cleveland. Yeah. Or to Eastern Ohio, because Buzz's got that figured out. Yeah, but, yeah, Buzz, yeah. Buzz is a beast. Yeah. He's yeah. killing it. Well, thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys, and it is a joy working with you all, man. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we get to work together in Ohio. I'm glad we get to work together in church planning. It's lots of fun, and I appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.